G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson. Welcome to today's 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. Remember, you can hear 2020 weekdays on Vision from 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Findings from a new international report show that two parent families are affiliated with better education outcomes in Australia. The director of the National Marriage Project in the United States, Dr. Brad Wilcox, addressed the findings from the World Family Map Report at the recent World Congress of Families in Sydney. Brad Wilcox is the co-author of the report. He's joining us today. Hello, Brad. Welcome to 2020. Neil, it's good to be here. Brad, this report, the findings uh, that show that uh, children are doing better with a a two-parent family, uh, is this something that's unusual or is this something that is similar to other research from around the world? What we find in our research is that kids do better in a two-parent family um, in much of the developed world, which is as different as Australia, um, UK, Sweden and um, and New Zealand. So this, this is the pattern that we're seeing in much of the developed world. And what sort of advantage is there to the children who are coming from two-parent families? Well, I was raised by a single mother, and I think single moms often can do a, you know, a great job. But you know, on average, um, if we think about it, we can see that you know, having two sets of hands, two, you know, two hearts, two minds, um, you know, all kind of working together to raise kids is going to lead to better outcomes. And more specifically, what we know is that kids in two-parent families uh, tend to get uh, more time from their parents, more attention from their parents, more affection from their parents. And another thing is stability. One of the big things that's coming out in the research today is the importance of stability for kids. If you have kids or if you babysat for kids, you know they thrive on stability, particularly little kids, kind of knowing what's coming up. And the two-parent families is more likely, watched to the intact married two-parent family, of course, is more likely to deliver that stability to kids. Um, compared to uh, the alternatives. If you don't mind, let's dwell on stability for a few moments because in a lot of family situations, uh, there's marriage breakdown and then there's remarriage and sometimes uh, uh, ongoing uh, divorce and remarriage and divorce and remarriage. That's not the same for every family, but I guess you could argue that those children uh, in families where there's divorce and remarriage even multiple times have a two-parent family. What sort of... Uh, perspective would you bring when it comes to uh, those sorts of instabilities that I would think of them? Yeah, there's a kind of relationship carousel that we're seeing in much of the West as marriage breaks down. Um, and as people move in and out of relationships, be they marriages or cohabitations. And that, you know, on average is not great for kids. So in some respects, having a stable single mother um, can be better for kids than having um, a remarriage or particularly a series of collaborating relationships. That's, that's likely to be often to be a disaster for kids because, you know, the, the, the fact is, and this isn't you know, necessarily politically correct, but the fact is, is that um, unrelated male boyfriends um, are much more likely to pose a risk of some sort to kids. Um, and that's what 
you know, those kinds of men are more likely to be in the picture um, when, you know, when the marriage breaks down or isn't formed in the first place. Okay, what about uh, these issues of love, attention? You mentioned financial resources. Uh, when we talk about solutions uh, for the issues that families face, uh, that the children who are uh, perhaps in a disadvantaged situation, what are the solutions you talk about when you say this is how we get things back on track? Well, I think one thing that's important to recognize is that, you know, we, we can be kind of pastoral in our approach to people, recognizing that, you know, for any number of reasons, not everyone's going to kind of um, be able to, to enjoy a stable, intact marriage, either for themselves or, you know, for their kids. Um, but that, you know, I think most people, you know, at least in the abstract, would acknowledge that's the ideal. Um, and so we have to sort of continue to, 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 uh, to lend... Um, you know, support to that ideal. Um, but then more practically, I think, you know, it's important to, um, to shore up the opportunities, the economic opportunities of could be poor and working class couples, because um, economic stress is often one factor leading to either, you know, a divorce or some kind of other stress in the family. Um, and then also, you know, basically stand alongside couples who are in conflict or in distress, um, you know, giving them counsel, you know, giving them support, maybe taking care of the kids, allowing them to go on a date night, you know, once a week kind of thing, to um, to sort of reduce the odds that they're going to land, um, say, in divorce court, for instance. So these are the kinds of things that people can do to help uh, strengthen marriage here in Australia. When it comes to government policy and uh, welfare for uh, families, those who are disadvantaged, those who are doing it tough, perhaps uh, uh, low-income families, uh, I know there's some research that compares what has happened in the United States uh, to the sort of support that happens for families in Australia. Are you up to date on the figures on those things? Yeah, our report does suggest um, that Australia has uh, spent more on, um, you know, sort of family-related uh, public policies um, than has a country like the United States. Um, and there's, there's sort of debate right now about the baby bonus, um, for instance. Um, but that, you know, I think on average, uh, public policies that help families, um, you know, navigate the cost of raising kids, costs you know, related to schooling, related to uh, clothing, feeding, and housing kids, you know, are, are prudent. Um, and we have to recognize, too, that families are investing, you know, in the future taxpayers, in the future um, employees and consumers, you know, for the Australian economy. And so even though there obviously are costs associated with helping families, um, if the public policies are sound, that is if they help the family rather than, than undercut the family, um, you know, there can be a real merit to that. Um, you know, as I said, recognizing that the family is investing, you know, thousands of hours uh, per year and, and thousands of dollars uh, per year on each child and, and, and can have a little bit of help you know, from, the, uh, from the state in the important work that it's doing in forming the next generation. Brad Wilcox is our guest. Brad, stay with us because I'd like to focus on the Christian faith aspects of family. You've written a book called Soft Patriarchs, New Men, How Christianity Shapes Fathers and Husbands. Uh, I want to talk to you about Christian faith and how it shapes families. And uh, let's talk about the the pros and cons. Uh, We'll come back and talk some more shortly. You're listening to the Vision Radio Network Daily Podcast. 
We're back talking about the findings from a new international report showing that two-parent families help to bring about better education outcomes in Australian children. The director of the National Marriage Project in the US, Dr Brad Wilcox, addressed the findings from the World Family Map Report at the recent World Congress of Families in Sydney. Brad Wilcox is a sociologist who's written widely about families, is also the author of the book called Soft Patriarchs, New Men, How Christianity Shapes Fathers and Husbands. Brad, what difference does it make when you bring Christian faith into the mix of the family unit? What we find in both my research and the research of colleagues of mine um, is that uh, when, this is an important qualification, when couples share a common faith together, um, so this, this only applies for couples who have that, um, you know, that, that common faith uh, together, um, they're more likely to have uh, husbands who are, um, who are engaged and affectionate dads, um, and they're more likely to enjoy high-quality, stable marriages. You know, one of the myths out there is that Christians, you know, get divorced just as much as everybody else does. Um, but what, what that doesn't, that myth doesn't sort of acknowledge or recognize is that people actually who are engaged in their local church communities, who are regularly practicing their faith, um, you know, who are praying together, who have, you know, um, Basically, they're connecting their, their, their faith to the real world, if you will. Um, they're more likely to enjoy high-quality, stable marriages. And, um, and that's for a couple of reasons, as you might guess. You know, sociologically, I would just sort of say that, um, number one, they're uh, being exposed to norms like forgiveness and fidelity that create a better, you know, better family context uh, for, for them as couples. Um, the second thing that we see in the research is that they're embedded in social networks um, that tend to have, you know, large numbers of, of married families with kids, and they're kind of able to support one another, give counsel uh, to one another, but also kind of stress what we call social, social control, you know, helping one another kind of stay in the straight and narrow path um, when it comes to things like, you know, anything from discipline to, uh, to fidelity in, in your marriage. And the third thing that we see in the research is something we call a nomos. In other words, people have a sense that God is present in the world, and that sense of God's presence um, leads them to um, handle life's difficulties, life's stresses in a more productive uh, fashion. So if you've got a sense that God is present, you're able to handle the death of a loved one, um, the loss of a job, a difficult child more readily than if you don't have a clear sense that there is some kind of, um, you know, supernatural reality, some kind of faith presence operating um, you know, there for you in the world. It, it's good to talk about uh, the two in the relationship being on the same page by way of their faith. And typically uh, that might start from their younger years. Uh, couples who have a courtship and uh, get married and uh, they're a young couple uh, they are uh, similar in their growth, in their maturity as Christians. Uh, they grow to love God and uh, they apply those values and those principles from their Christian faith into their family. And what you're saying is that's what gives it strength. What about the prevalence these days of cohabitation, uh, living together before you get married or in the circumstance that you might not come to faith until uh, later beyond uh, when you've actually been married? Well, you know, one of the things that we're seeing both in the United States and Australia is a cohabitation, both as a precursor to marriage and as an alternative to marriage, is gaining uh, ground rapidly. And so 
Um, you know, there's been a dramatic increase, for instance, both in the United States and in Australia in uh, people having kids outside of wedlock. And that's being driven largely by couples who are cohabiting, having kids together. Um, and you might say, well, what's, you know, you've got, you know, two parents there, two people in the mix. Um, isn't that just as good as marriage? You know, isn't marriage just a piece of paper? That's the sort of, you know, thing we hear a lot in the States anyways these days. What that perspective that doesn't realize or doesn't recognize or appreciate is that marriage isn't just a piece of paper. It's a legal <laughs> um, institution. Uh, it's a social institution. It's a cultural institution. Um, it often has religious meaning for people. And so all that institutional stuff, if you will, um, gives people a sense of purpose, meaning, direction, stability in their relationships that folks who are cohabiting, you know, don't enjoy. And the, the example that I offer is, you know, there's no, like, there's no assembled multitude of friends and family. There's no trumpeteer or organist playing, you know, music when a couple moves into the apartment for the first time, you know, as a cohabiting couple. Uh, you know, by contrast, when a couple gets married, you know, if they're in a church or in a synagogue or even down at the local courtroom, they often have family and friends there. They're, they're, they're making public commitments to one another. Um, it's an entirely different affair. So for those reasons, um, in part, we know that marriage is a much more stable context uh, and a much better context, a much more secure context for the experience and expression of intimacy for adults, and particularly for any kids that, um, that come along for, uh, for a couple. Uh, Brad, in Australia, the, uh, the the prevalence of people being married at the registry office or with a, a civil uh, ceremony rather than a, a Christian religious ceremony, uh, that, that's been growing here in Australia. Uh, are you saying that when you have a, a Christian ceremony where there is a, a foundation and there is an atmosphere of Christian faith that founds a marriage, that there is real strength there? Yeah, and this is, I mean, I'm a sociologist, and, you know, one of our big things in sociology is sort of looking at the power of ritual in people's lives. And it doesn't, I mean, and, and frankly, it doesn't, I mean, at some level, I mean, the, the point sociologically is that it's not the specific content of the ritual that's as consequential as just the fact of the ritual being there. And, you know, I think a Christian wedding compared to a wedding at the local civil registry, um, you know, it's going to, there's just going to be, it's a much more powerful ritual, obviously, for people who are getting married in a, in a church context. I mean, there's the power of the ritual, if you will, is, is much deeper, um, both in kind of a theological sense, but also in a, in, in the sense, too, that this, the sort of the vows people take, um, you know, tend to be much more um, profound than the kinds of um, commitments people make in a civil context. And Brad, coming back to the initial points we were making a little earlier about these new findings in this new international report that shows that two-parent families uh, are affiliated with better education outcomes uh, here in Australia and throughout much of Asia. Uh, when we talk about uh, those education outcomes, uh, what you're saying is that in a family that that has it in some sense right according to a, a Christian values base uh, where you've got the two-parent family, they're both on the same page when it comes to faith. Uh, they've sort of got some things right. It means that their children are more likely to excel in a whole lot of areas in their lives. Right. So what we see um, in the research in the West, you know, generally speaking, including in Australia, basically, is that you know, having two parents um, there for a child uh, gives the kid a leg up 
in today's global economy, competitive global economy, where you need to spend more money on human capital, um, on schooling, and any number of other things, you know, for your kids to prepare them for all the challenges of adult life. Um, so, um, you know, this isn't rocket science, but it's just it's easier to, to do that and do it well when you've got two adults on the same team uh, with a common commitment to their kids um, compared to having a single um, single parent. Now, and as I mentioned before, I was raised by a single mom, and single moms often do a great job, but it's just harder for them um, compared to uh, having the the two <clears throat> the two parents there working together as a team. And, of course, uh, recognising that there are a lot of single parents and, uh, of course, our support uh, for single parents is there too. And uh, the, uh, the, the idea that, uh, that churches uh, are very, very supportive of uh, single parents and there are a lot of single parents within local churches who really find the strength of their life coming from the support network that they find within their local church and from their local pastor. And one of the things that we see in, in this recent research that we've been doing is that in parts of the developed world that um, single moms do okay when they have extended family members stepping into the breach, so to speak. And so I think to sort of, um, you know, draw a point from that for your comment, what I would say is that, in effect, the church community can act as a kind of uh, fictive kin, kind of extended family for single moms who are, uh, who are struggling to raise kids and, um, and help to minimize um, the, uh, the challenges that, you know, that single parents face in raising their kids. It adds weight to that old saying, it takes a whole village to raise yeah, a child. No, and, that's uh, and, <laughs> and we've got that, that extended family network within the local church. Brad Wilcox is the director of the National Marriage Project in the United States. It was in Australia just recently for the World Congress of Marriage. And Brad, just great to get your insights into this new research about two-parent families and education outcomes for Australian kids. And I really appreciate your time with us today here on 2020. Thanks. It's great to be in 2020 with you. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.